today, I'm going to start uh, a two-part series. So I'll do the first one today and finish it up next week. I've, I've called the, uh, the two-part series Bulletproof, um, How to Live Unoffendable Lives. Uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a, uh, I, I like shows like uh, The Blacklist, uh, CSI. I've read every Jack Reacher novel. I've read every Mitch Rapp novel. I, I like detective things. I like that sort of thing. And in all of those sorts of shows and books, there's a whole bunch of guys wearing bulletproof vests. And uh, the concept is quite astounding that, that that bulletproof vest makes you sort of bulletproof because if the bullet hits, it saves your life. Um, but I did notice though, it doesn't save pain. You still end up in a bit of pain. Um, it hurts, but your life is saved, all right? So, so my series is gonna be built around that theme that living unoffendable lives, being bulletproof will save your life, save your family, but there might be pain along the way, all right? So we're not trying to say there's no pain involved. We're just saying that we're meant to live bulletproof lives. Uh, today, I wanna look about the issue of offence, uh, the concern, the challenge, why it's here, uh, how it gets around our lives. And next week, and you don't wanna miss next week, next week I'm gonna give all the practical biblical solutions of how to be unoffendable, how to deal with all those things and be the person that God wants you to be. So today, I wanna speak about our enemy. See, the Bible speaks quite a lot um, about our unseen enemy, the devil, and the demonic realm. It doesn't go around the subject, it doesn't try and hide it. Um, understand this about the devil, the devil hates God, hates His creation and especially hates His bride or His people. All right, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the Bible calls Him Lucifer or Satan. Uh, he was once an archangel of heaven. The Bible actually describes Him as the worship leader of heaven. You know, a bit like Chardon. Um, the worship leader of heaven. And uh, He was that person, that offence and, and pride got around His soul and he formed a rebellion against God the Creator which failed and he was banished from heaven. But even though he was banished from heaven, he was still allowed to exist in the spiritual realm. And he still hates God, still hates us, he still hates God's creation. The devil is not a man, but he has the power to work through men and people. He's got, he's got the power to do that. He, he's not just a force, uh, he's a spirit being. All right, so he's not just a, a force of evil, he is a spirit being. The Bible describes him as a thief, a deceiver, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. He is anti-God, anti-Christ and anti-humankind. He is our enemy. He, and you know, and I, I, want, I want you to make sure that you understand the reason the world is in the mess it is in today is basically number one, there is a place or a person called the devil that hates all that God created. It's the bottom line to the, the world we live in. The reason we have so much uh, injustice and violence and addiction, terror, cruelty, murder, on and on it goes, all those things, bottom line, there are lots of other reasons for it, but the bottom line reason is that there is an enemy called the devil and he hates all that God is and all that God stands for and he especially hates you and I who are made in God's image. And, and why does he have such influence? Why, why, is he, why do we look around the world and see what's going on? How come our world is in such a dilemma? Uh, we, we, we can't get on. We're so smart that, that I, I'm wearing a watch right now that I can wear in the surf, all right? And, and, and it's, I can take a phone call. My wife can ring me while I'm in the surf. 
I would never answer it, but she can ring me. All right. Um, she can ring me. We are so smart. Um, I, I bought one as soon as that happened because I remember Dick Tracy. Anybody else remember Dick Tracy? That back in the day before Mark, this was his superpower. Dick Tracy calling Go Go Gomez. We're so smart, but we can't even get on with one another. We are, we are so divided in who we are as people, whether it be racism. Uh, God, the, the enemy's greatest weapon is to get people to hate each other because they're different. You got, you got all sorts of isms that, that are schisms that people uh, don't abide to. And, and we look at that and well, how do people, because there's an enemy called the devil. It's a spiritual being that controls people that don't understand what they're being controlled by. So important we understand He is our enemy. And why does He have so much power? Because, man, because mankind in His wisdom has decided that He didn't need God. He said, we can do this on our own. We, we got this. No, we don't, we don't need God. We don't, we're not interested in following God's principles and rules. We've got this. How is that all working out? How is it really, like really, is it all working out just like they thought it would? No, no, uh, because without God, humanity is helpless against darkness. And it's funny how I watch history repeat itself over and over again in, in, in Western countries that were built on biblical and Jewish uh, uh, foundations and rules and laws and all those things, how they get prosper and do well and have great community, a civilization is, a civilization is birthed and going well. And then in amongst all their prosperity and abundance, they forgot where they got it from. They forgot who gave it to them and why it happens. And then they slowly turn back to their own ways and say, God, we don't need you anymore. You see, the reason the world is in such a mess is because number one, there is an enemy. Number two, man in his wisdom has decided he can do this without God. Look what Paul says about our enemy in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly or supernatural places. A very clear picture that it would seem like our battles are made to be out here, but really they all start up there. It's not, they outworked here, but we are not fighting one another. Like I said, the enemy's greatest plan is to get people fighting one another. Where there's no unity, the blessing of God is dissolved and we need to make sure we understand there is an enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy. Um, and then look at Peter declares in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, just to make sure we're ready for this. It says, be sober, be well balanced and self-disciplined, be alert, be cautious at all times. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. He's always seeking someone to devour. And, and I, I, wanna, I wanna say very clearly that that Scripture was not put in there just to fill up room. It's to make sure we're aware of the dangers of being alive on this planet. There is an enemy and we've got to be alert. Don't be tricked into thinking there is no devil. It's like, look, if you're on a diet, don't go into a bakery. It's a trick. All right? And it's the same. The devil's greatest weapon against unity or the plans of God is to get people to think there is no devil. It's a trick. There is an enemy. He is here and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
Then in John, he starts to, or Jesus describes the, the thief or the devil as one who steals, kills and destroys. Let's have a look at John 10, 10. The thief, which is the devil, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus said, have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. Evil, good. The devil, God. He comes to steal. You know what he's after? He wants to steal your faith. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your love, your abundance, your relationships, your future. He wants to steal because you know why? If you have nothing, you can't give anything. And if He stole your joy, you can't give joy. If He stole your faith, you can't give faith. The enemy comes to steal. He is a thief. Then it says, He kills. He is a killer. He kills your dreams. He kills your hopes. He assassinates your potential. He, he destroys your mind, your body and your eternity wherever He can. He has no mercy. How do I know that? Because not only does He kill, He destroys. He destroys. He utterly wants to obliterate. And as I'm watching a war in the Ukraine, and I'm watching what the Russians are doing to those cities over there, they're not just trying to take it over, they're trying to wipe it off the face of the earth. That's the spirit of the enemy, the devil that comes against you and I. He doesn't just wanna stop us, he wants to obliterate the plans of God for everybody's future. He wants to destroy your identity, your belief system, your truth, your relationships. So his plan, the, the devil's plan is number one is to try and stop people finding their answer, who is Jesus. We just read that, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. So our answer to, to, to push back darkness starts in the Name of Jesus. And so His number one plan is to make sure the world out there doesn't believe there is a God or Jesus is not the Son of God. That's His plan. That's why we are called to bring truth and life and the plans of God to the planet we live in. Pray like this, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on. That's why we're here, to bring heaven to earth. And the more of heaven we bring to earth, the more of earth we're gonna see go to heaven. That's our reason to be here. Plan one is that's, that's our reason. So that's His plan to stop people finding truth in Jesus. But then if those do who find, those who find truth in Jesus, He's still got a plan for you as well. He still wants to make sure that if you got connected to God, you become a believer, you become a Christian. He wants to make sure that you are a miserable Christian, that you're a weak Christian, that you do little for the Kingdom of God. In other words, you might be able to make it to heaven, but you'll never bring light from heaven to earth and you'll never be a threat to darkness. You'll be saved, but powerless. Saved but powerless. In other words, you're a believer, but you're not living the life God's called you to live. And often we don't live the life God's called us to live is because we're offended by something or somebody somewhere. We've got hurt that's not resolved or dealt with, discouragement we can't get over, and we live power, powerless lives to bring the glory of God to the people around us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And I'm, I'm gonna say... Um, this is probably uh, not a nice way to speak to the Corinthians. I'm gonna say Paul is a little upset right now. He um, just wants to make sure they understand what's going on. So let's just read it. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now, you were not able to receive it. 
And even, <laughs> and even now, you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For, there, for where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, you are not carnal, you are carnal behaving like mere men. And what he means by mere men is, is saying, you're acting like people who don't know Jesus. You're acting like people who don't know the wonder of Christ. And if you're, if you're not doing that, you've got divisions and strife around your life. God's plan is to offend you. I mean, sorry, this is God's plan. <laughs> My plan. Oh. <laughs> God's plan. No, the devil. No, I, you know, I remember when I was praying for somebody, one of my first meetings, I was praying for somebody and they come out and I remember saying this so clearly and so loudly in front of everybody, in the name of Satan be healed. <laughs> and after I said it, I just prayed he didn't get healed. <laughs> the devil's plan is to offend you or get you offended. That's the devil's plan, to use somebody or something to offend you because then you lose your spiritual power and you are now, without meaning to, bringing envy, strife and divisions. You're acting like mere men or people that are not sons and daughters of God. This is why we must become bulletproof Christians. So the arrows of offence are nullified so we can live unoffendable lives so people can see that the risen Saviour really has risen in our lives. The three main arrows, Three main arrows uh, that I find of offence come like this. Number one is rejection. In other words, the devil wants to make sure you don't feel you belong. Um, that nobody cares for you. That you're not seen or heard. You're not important to anybody. Uh, we, 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 we can walk in with that chip on our shoulder of walking around and feeling like that no one cares about me. Don't they understand? I'm lonely. You know, there's that whole fence. And what that does, it gives you a place of going, well, why bother? Why bother being in a marriage? Why, why bother uh, doing that? Why bother being in church? Why bother? Because you're feeling rejected by the people around you. Or uh, discouragement is another arrow. Uh, nothing seems to be going right. Where, where's God in all this? I'm it's not going right and you get discouraged. And you're not, you know, everybody hates me. I think I'll go and eat some. There's some old people in the house. <laughs> Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go and eat some worms. <laughs> I remember my um, nephew, Adam, when he was about eight or nine, um, he was at school and they were teaching about worms that were good to eat, protein, and if you needed to eat them, you could. And he happened to find one in the garden, big long one. And uh, he came in and there was me in the kitchen, his mother, Hilary, uh, Brad's wife, and Lee was there, my wife. And, um, and he come in and he told me all the stories about school, you can eat them, it's protein. And I said, you know what, Adam? I'll give you $5 if you eat that worm. And, 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 the, and the, you know, his mother's and Hillary going, no, don't you dare, don't you dare eat that, don't you dare eat that one, which helped me, you know. Um, and I, and uh, he's looked at me and, I, and he sort of wanted to, but he said, well, if you give me $10, <laughs> I'll eat the worm, Uncle Mark. And I said, you're on. So I said, you have to chew it and you have to swallow it for $10. So he stuck that worm into his mouth, his mother and Lee were screaming in horror. Ah, no, don't stop! 
He chewed. There was dirt coming out of his lips as he swallowed that worm. It's the best $10 I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> Discouragement, it's, a, it's, it's, oh, it's failing, it's just terrible. And then the third main arrow, and this is the main arrow is, and this one's sort of really sneaky for Christians, is pride. Um, we become self-righteous. We become judgmental. We become the religious police. And we become, we start divisions and strife and envy because we've got to fix everybody's problems up. And yet the Bible says, before you take the speck out of somebody's eye, you first need to take the plank out of your own eye. And unfortunately, there's still a lot of cases of plank eye around. <laughs> you can tell because you walk into a building and there's somebody nailed up against the wall with a giant plank squashing their chest. And we get self-righteous and it doesn't bring peace or the love of God. It brings strife and envy and division. These are the arrows of offence and now you're offended because people aren't doing what they're supposed to and you know, you know the only way to Jesus and, then, you know, and it brings strife and division. And so we get these things, of, of all of these things, rejection and discouragement and they produce all this strife and envy and dissension in the body and the people around you. And we start to realise, man, well, I've certainly realised if I don't deal with my stuff, I'm gonna offend somebody else. If I don't deal, if you don't deal with your dysfunction, you will multiply it. So your problem doesn't stay your own. It's gotta be fixed, otherwise you get multiplied. See, hurt people unintentionally hurt people. You, you know that, you, you know people that have been sexually abused, there's a chance they might sexually abuse somebody else. What hurt people hurt people, there's no doubt about it. And we've got to, then we become a part of the problem, not a part of the answer. This is why the Bible speaks about, you know, <laughs> Jesus says to Peter, how many times should I, how many times should you forgive, Peter? And that was a big one for Peter. He was just a fisherman. He didn't have phone a friend. It's a big call. Jesus asked him a very serious question. And he thinks really hard, how many times should I forgive? It's a trick question. I know it's a trick question. And then he goes to the biggest part, the biggest, his heart got to the biggest it could be. And he said, Jesus, seven times. That was as big as he could get. He was trying to impress Jesus. Seven times, Jesus, seven times, God, I deny. Jesus looks at him and said, Pete, I can see the bigness of your heart, but 70 times, seven. He wasn't giving a number. So some people are working that out. Well, okay, I'll forgive 490 times. No. <laughs> he was saying, don't stop. And he wasn't saying don't stop because you need to forgive everybody because they need to be forgiven. He said, if you don't deal with unforgiveness in the heart, you're the loser, Peter. You're the one who's going to jail. Your soul will be tied up. It'll be chained to the past. You can't move into your future. See, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 26 says this, but have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant speculations, useless disputes over unedifying, stupid controversies, since you know that they produce strife and give birth to quarrels. The servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but must be kind to everyone, even tempered, 
preserving peace and must be skilled in teaching, patient, tolerant when wronged. He must correct those who are in opposition with courtesy and gentleness and the hope that God may grant that they will repent and be led to the knowledge of the truth, accurately understanding and welcoming the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And I want you to see the terrifying end to that Scripture to me is that if we don't deal with our stuff and we keep getting involved with things that we shouldn't get involved with, controversies, disputes, envy, we are outworking the will of Satan without realising it. That's what it just said. It said, man, let them, let them understand that they've been taken captive to do the devil's will by not producing the fruit of God in our lives. He says, we want them to come to their senses and escape the snare of the enemy. And the way we can do that starts and finishes in the Name of Jesus. 1 John chapter 3, verse eight says this. The one who practises sin, separating himself from God and offending Him by acts of disobedience, indifference or rebellion, is of the devil and takes his inner character, moral values from him, the devil, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for, listen to this, appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy. So our answer is not in about trying harder, it's about drawing closer to Jesus because that's where our help comes from. It's in that place of knowing Him that we can get hope for our hurting heart and our broken dreams. John 10, 10 and 11, remember we read that before. Put that up one more time, I just want people to see this. The thief, the devil comes in order to steal, kill and destroy. I come, Jesus said that you may have and enjoy life and have an abundance to the full till it overflows. Again, it's reinforcing our way forward to deal with our brokenness is finding the very heart of Jesus because He's the one who can give us life and life more abundantly. See, the enemy's plan is you don't belong. God's plan is you're accepted. The enemy's plan is you don't matter. God's plan, you're everything to me. The enemy's plan is you have no value. God's plan, you're so important to me, I sent my son to die for you. The enemy's plan is to judge, fight and bicker. God's plan is to love, forgive and encourage. The devil's plan is to get you to give up. God's plan is that you would get up. Devil's plan is you would leave, run, get away. God's plan is you would stay, believe and trust. I read this the other day and I thought it was important to read you today as it's such a part of where I'm going. It says, people are... People are sometimes unreasonable, illogical and self-centred. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish and ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you did today could be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. The biggest people and the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest minds of the smallest people. Think big anyway. When you spend years building something, it may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. Give the world the best you have. Maybe you'll get kicked in the teeth, but give your best anyway. In other words, live unoffendable. We live on a fallen planet. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. 
Pain is inevitable. Pain, the bulletproof vest, being bulletproof won't stop some of the pain, it'll just save your life. Pain is inevitable. We live on a fallen planet. Pain is, right around the streets of every city you go to, there'll be people that aren't in church and, and they, they will say, oh, I, I would, why aren't you there? And they say, well, I, I got hurt in church. They got offended by somebody, something. I'll tell you how to get offended in church. Keep coming. Somebody will offend you. Ah, heck, why don't we just get it done? Why don't we all just get hurt in church today and move on? turn to the person you left and slapped them really hard in the face. I was just kidding, ma'am. Leave your husband alone. It's just an illustration. All right, we've all been hurt in church. Let's move on. You see, pain is inevitable. It's misery that's optional. And Jesus is the saver of misery. We must learn to lean in and let God be, let God have His way in our lives. Our wonderful lives so they can shine the light of the risen Saviour to the world around us. And I just wanna finish on this. Can I tell you that we are not designed and nor do we have the capacity, listen to this, we are not designed, nor do we have the capacity to carry unforgiveness, discouragement, envy, jealousy, past hurt. We, we, we're not able, we're not designed to carry it. We don't have the capacity to carry it. That's why Jesus said, cast your cares upon me. That's why He said, Peter, forgive 70 times seven. You can't carry unforgiveness, Peter, let it go. See, if you don't let it go, you will break out. You will bust somewhere. It might be physically in your body. So much sickness is caused by what we hold in our soul. It might be emotionally with mental illness or or depression or anxiety because we can't carry the hurts of the past. We're not designed to it. We might, we might break spiritually and give up on God. Or even in our families, they break down because we can't help. We're not designed. We've got to let God have these things. Give it to God. Cast your cares upon me, Jesus said, for I care for you. Only He is able to carry our pain and dis- discouragement. If we don't cast, give, we're in trouble right to the very end. So today, let's make sure that we understand there is an enemy. His enemy is to make sure your heart is broken, your soul is damaged and destroyed, but there is a way through and that's to draw closer to Jesus than you ever have. I want to bow our heads, close our eyes today. Father, I thank You that You're the healer of the broken heart, the mender of those that have been abused and savaged, Lord. God, You, you can change all things and all people if they come to You. You know, I... I don't know what troubles you right now. I don't know what problems you're facing. Or I really don't know what problems your f- future's gonna bring. I'm not sure. But I do know this, the answer you're gonna need will start and finish in the Name of Jesus every time. And today, you can have that answer. You can come to Him. You, you can say, yes, the Bible says, if you believe upon Jesus, you shall be saved. Saved out of your past, saved into a better future, saved into eternity. You've just got to believe upon Him today. Or maybe you need to reconnect with God. Maybe you did get offended at church or by a believer or somebody and you've carried that offence. So maybe you got with the wrong crowd and you were going down the wrong track. But you're starting to realise something's not right and here you are in the house of God and the stirring starting to happen in your heart again about who He is. I wanna tell you today, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, God is not angry at you and He's not mad at you. He's waiting for you. 
Today, you're the apple of His eye. He loves you with all that He has. All you need to do is respond to that love. With eyes closed and heads bowed, and if you're joining with us online, you can make that decision right where you are there. But if that's you today, say, you know what? Pray with me, I wanna believe upon Jesus. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Would you just lift your hand and give me a wave so I can pray with you today? If that's you, say, you know what? I wanna believe upon you. Thank you right at the back. That's a great decision right there. Others today, if that's you, slip your hand up. I wanna pray with you right where you're seated today, from the front to the back, from the left to the right. So look one more time. Just slip that hand up. Jesus is waiting for you. It's one more time as I look right now. I don't wanna miss anybody. You are important to God and this is an important moment. Thank you at the back. That's a great decision as well there. Congratulations on that. We're about to pray. Lord, as I looked, I saw hands go up, but it's not what you saw. God, you saw hearts of your creation, your people open towards you. I know that you said, you promised you'd forgive us of every sin, every failure, every mistake, and never remember them again. You love us so tightly and completely, we become sons, daughters of the Most High God. And I know, Scripture tells me that heaven rejoices when even one responds and comes home. So I know heaven is rejoicing for these people. And so do we here in Jesus' mighty Name. Let's give it up for those people. Amen and amen. Great decisions. God bless each of you. 